What's up and welcome to the Royal Rooms Podcast. Your Huff, your nine-time World Series champion, Boston Red Sox. Your six-time Super Bowl champion, New England Patriots. Your 17-time NBA champion, Boston Celtics. Your six-time Stanley Cup champion, Boston Bruins. And your 11-time national champions in football, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. I'm your host, Tom O'Shea. Let's get into it. All right, the news. Um, Patriots news. So they had two games in the past week or so. A Sunday game, a Sunday afternoon game, and a Thursday night game. Uh, so let's get into the Sunday game. Uh, they beat the Redskins. They went to Washington and beat a Redskins team that's basically just basically dog crap. I think they already fired their coach already. Jay Gruden are in the process of probably just saying, you know what, you are done, Jay, so get out of here. So, all right, so the final score of that game was Patriots 37, I mean 33, Redskins 7. And to start out with, um, let's see, I believe the Patriots did give up a touchdown. To- Try and take a shot up the field this time. Well, no shot. Right, that's not what we wanted now. All right. No kidding. All right, so um, first start off with the Redskins scored a touchdown. That was like the first touchdown they gave up. Yeah, yeah, first touchdown or first passing touchdown they gave up the entire season. Defense did. Then they came back. Then they started coming back, and then yeah. So basically, yeah, like Patriots. Um, Brady threw to Edelman for the first score. Nugent um, got a touchdown. And to start off with the first touchdown or first uh, drive they scored on, uh, Nugent missed on an extra point. So that kind of – or uh, special teams has kind of been – yeah. So, yeah, Nugent got another touchdown in the first quarter to make it 12-7. to Then uh, we got another touchdown this time, uh, Brady to uh, Bolton. Then they started scoring. Then they uh, – Michelle ran in for a touchdown, and um, Brady went in for or uh, passed to uh, Izzo, and that was the final score of the game. So, um, thirty-three to seven, Patriots against the Redskins. Then Thursday night came around, and they went to Foxborough, and uh, this time they played the New York Giants. Yeah. To start out with, they uh. So, uh, so anyway, so to start off with, uh, Chase Winovich had a uh, blocked punt to bring it in for the touchdown. Then, uh, Brandon Bolton, uh, fro- um, scored with a touchdown running pass from, uh, Brady. Then, uh, yeah, then they gave up another. The defense gave up another passing touchdown of the year to uh, David Jones. They were racked up with injuries. The Giants were this. Uh, yeah, they had a uh, Shaquan Barkley was out. Uh, most of their guys like Eli Manning was out too. So yeah, they and uh, usually Tom, um, Bill Belichick usually is a uh, really good in uh, keeping rookie quarterbacks. I think he's like something like uh, Owen. I think he's like or. Rookie quarterbacks are owing something against Bill Belichick and Foxborough and stuff like that. So it's pretty good. 
But it almost looked like that it really was going to be a rough night for the Patriots. Um, so, yeah, like, so they gave up, as I said, a passing touchdown. Then Brady fumbled the ball. And um, so, yeah, he gave up a touchdown, tied the game up with uh, less than, let's see, like less time left in the uh, first half. And then they uh, came back with another touchdown. And uh, and this time he passed to uh, Elmore, Elmore, one of the tackles. And then they started uh, scoring touchdowns, the Patriots did. Then, like, then they scored, and then, yeah, basically, that was it. Brady ran up the middle for a touchdown, took him in himself. So, yeah, the final score of that game was 35-14. Patriots win 6-0, baby. And this Patriots team is kind of flawed. Offense is kind of starting to fumble or stumble, and Brady's kind of starting a little stumble, too. I still have faith. I still believe that he's one of the greatest quarterbacks or greatest players of all time, but he's kind of starting to a little bit, maybe. And maybe this might just be a drop. This might be a slump. This might just be a slump. Defense is still dominant, even though they still gave up a passing to, and that could be the saving grace of this season, why they're still undefeated. Defense, defense is still unstoppable, and they are still dominant. Heck, I just said that, like, he, Chase Winovich blocked a punt and uh, scored for a touchdown. I mean, that's, yeah. So, anyway, yeah. So, no football tomorrow, and then no football next Sunday either, but they still play a game this week, and this time it's Sunday Night Football. On to New York against the Jets, a really god-awful Jets team in the Meadowlands. So, yeah. All right. Now to Notre Dame news and the game tonight against uh, USC. The rivalry is back. Punches will be thrown. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. And almost, yeah, there was a, like, at the end, at halftime, there was a scuffle between USC and Notre Dame. So, yeah. And it was after, like, one their quarterback or something like that got or got tackled and like he uh, got hit too after the block and yeah that's kind of what the scuffle was about the final score was it was a little close um 30 to 27 USC had a really big second half but in the end Nerdan was able to hold on the good we got the win and we got the jewel Shillelagh. although I'm gonna like probably misspell it on uh, the actual title of the show so or the episode, so yeah, the bad gotta do a little bit better, and the ugly, yeah, it's just we should have came out there and blown them out, but I mean, still a win's a win, and she'll be happy. All right, and news: um, newly committed uh 2021 four-star wide receiver Dion Colsey, uh, of Athens Academy in Athens, Georgia, has decided to commit to Notre Dame. And he chose ND over West Virginia, Alabama, um, Florida, and his hometown's team, uh, Georgia, and Tennessee. So pretty good. So, yeah, he's coming to the Irish in 2021. Yeah. All right. So next week is going to be a bye week, so no football. But on the 26th, 
we go to the big house and another old-fashioned rivalry game with the Michigan Wolverines. Yeah. So let's get ready. We ready. We ready. We ready. All right. Uh, Bruins are now moving on. Um, Bruins news. Weak scores. Um, so they went to uh, continue the West Coast road trip the, to start off the year. And they played the Vegas Golden Knights. Let's see. Let me pull this up. They played the Vegas Golden Knights on. Oh, wait. Oh. Play the Vegas Golden Knights on uh, Tuesday. And uh, the final score of that game was Bruins 4, Golden Knights 3. So it gave them their first loss of the season. All right, let's see. Um, to start off, the Knights scored two goals to start um, from Jones and Smith, from Stone and Smith. But then Pasternak got a goal. Marshan got a goal. And he got another one in the second period. And Crew got another one in the second period. And then um, they kind of like did add the um, Knights add one more, but that was not enough. Uh, the Bruins still hold on to the win for free. These are some close games, one point games. Hmm. At least they're wins and wins. Then on Thursday, they went to Colorado to take on the Avalanche. And sorry, Bees fans, but this is going to be the first loss of the season as the Avalanche won four to two. So the first loss of the season. Um, so the start out with Pasternak scored a goal. So Daniel Charles scored a goal. And then uh, McKeon got a goal, goal for the Avalanche. And then not bad. They still lead. Then, yeah, the Avalanche scored like four straight goals after that. One in the, sec- one in the second period and two in the third period. And they held on to the win. So, I mean... We were going to lose some points, so yeah. And then tonight they went back home to start open. The ho- openings had the home opener. And uh, the final score of that game with the New Jersey Devils, Jack Hughes and Jack, Jack Hughes of yeah, Jack Hughes, um, against the New Jersey Devils. And uh final score of that game, Bruins 3, Devils nothing. And all four of those, all three of those goals were from Bruins, of course. Marshawn, Marshan in the first, Jarkin Nostrom in the first, and then Patrice Bergeron in the second. So yeah, time to play dirty water in the old garden. So yeah, so really good start so far to the season, and this is the first time they have really been this good in the start of the season since. 15 years. So, yeah, 15 years. I was basically a kid in junior high or a kid in fifth grade at the time. So, yeah. Anyway, um, Rask and Halak have been really good, have been superior, superb behind the net, especially Rask, who has really at this time really been uh, um, in past times or past seasons to start off the year. He has not really been good as a goalie. It's kind of like been kind of like a disappointment. And Halak was pre- predicted not to be good. People were getting on the whole like a uh, two goalie tandem 
our two goalie rotation, but it's starting to work out a little bit. Starting to work out. I mean, really not complaining. Both uh, Rask and Halak are really doing good. All right. I read an article uh, this week on The Athletic, and if you don't know what The Athletic is, you should probably stop listening to this podcast. It's probably the new um, sporting journalism, like, online. It's basically, like, this is where journalism is going to go. Like, they picked up guys, like, they got Ken Rosenwald, they got uh, guys like Pete Gammon of the Boston Globe to be a writer on their show. Pete Gammon is a... or Peter Gavin is a writer who covers the Red Sox and stuff like that. I mean, they got other people that, like, and they got podcasts too, and it's pretty neat. Some of those podcasts aren't on Apple on Apple iTunes too, so you should probably check them out. I should check, uh, recommend the lead. So anyway, all right, let's get back to the. I read an article about uh Chris Wagner about how he's been uh basically been like basically the star or been the kind of hustle leader of the Boston Bruins this year. And so it says here too, like he um missed the Stanley Cup man because like he got hammered by a slap shot um by Jason Falk of the Carolina Hurricanes during the Stanley Cup final. So that's why he wasn't able to be a part of uh and it broke his Yulna. Yulna, yeah. Anyway, like basically Cassie was uh, recommended by, like, how uh, he works hard and stuff like that. It also says, too, they need to uh, lock him up on a contract because him and Char- they're looking for him and Charlie Coyle to be kind of like the main wings and centers once uh, Bergeron and David Krejci retire, possibly next year and stuff like that. I'm not saying anything, but I'm just saying that Bergeron and Krejci really don't have a lot left in the tank. I mean, they've been there since the last Stanley Cup, and that was like eight, nine years ago. So, yeah. Anyway, so, yeah, they're thinking of possibly bringing the two uh, Massachusetts or greater Boston athletes back, um, Wagner from Walpole and uh, uh, Charlie Coyle from uh, East Weymouth. And these guys are veterans players, too. Like, you're replacing veterans with veterans. So, yeah. They're basically like saying like how like basically re-signing uh, Wagner should be a good idea and that should be a priority too to give him a new deal. Maybe because he's basically kind of like he fits the Bruins method of hard work. This is like kind of like the old time style of the Boston Bruins. Celtics news. They played uh, preseason games against the Hornets and the Magics on Sunday and Friday. And – um for the Hornets, the final score, I was just going to read them off. I'm not going to go into detail. Final score of that preseason game because, yeah, who gives a crap about the preseason? All right, so anyway, the final score of the Hornets game on Sunday, Celtics 107, Hornets 106. And then on Friday, they played the Magic, and the final score of that game, this is a blowout, 100-75. Ooh. All right, Taco Fall. I want to get into Taco Fall and Taco on Taco Mania. The reason, um, reason why people are getting so excited about this Taco Fall, about Taco Fall and stuff like that, is because he's seven foot six. That's a pretty big dude. That is a really big dude. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, that's why people are, are 
And even like on Sunday's game and Friday's game too, they start saying, we want taco, we want taco. Uh, they also said the Magic game too on Friday, maybe because he came there or he played there in college at Central Florida and stuff like that. And that's kind of how he became. I don't know. It's because of the name Taco could be the same. Taco, yeah. But anyway, like he, I want to just point out something. He really felt upset when uh they started chanting Taco, Taco, maybe because he felt like he was putting Brad Stevens in a really bad position by uh not have it or not let him play and stuff like that. He really felt bad. And we just got to realize that Taco Fall, yes, he's great. And this is really something cool we're seeing right here and stuff like that. Seeing a guy that tall play for the Celtics, but at the same time, he's a human being just like us. He's a human being with emotions and had to deal with the same crap and same malarkey every day for like, just like you and me, we got to pay bills, got to support the self, got to make money. That's all I mean. He's still a human being just like us. I really want to see him be here, too. I really want to see him. But at the same time, he still needs to work. He still needs to work. So there's still more of his uh, athletic ability. He still needs to harness, too. And I feel like if they're going to do something, they probably just give him a G League contract. So, like, he'll work out in the G Leagues and stuff like that, which is basically the minor leagues of uh, basketball, which isn't kind of really minor leagues as one in Major League Baseball. So, yeah. All right, Jalen Brown hired an agent to deal with uh, his contract extension. Okay. We're still not going to give you a contract extension, Jalen. I do want to see everybody here, but at the same time, I mean, he's still got to prove it too. <coughs> All right. And last but not least for the Boston Sports News, Red Sox News, maybe because they're in the offseason. Let's get down to business. Dana Lavangi has been fired, or the Red Sox decided to part ways with Dana Lavangi, their pitching coach. So he's out as pitching coach. So and they and the weird thing, weird thing is, uh, weird thing is that um, they fired their assistant hitting coach. I don't know why they would fire their assistant hitting coach. They had one of the best offensive seasons of the year. I can see where they got rubbed Dana Evangie because the pitching staff was basically atrocious this year, and that's why we didn't go as far as or win as many games as we should have won, especially with a team like that just came off the following past year winning a World Series and breaking their franchise record of wins. I mean, seriously, we could have just watched probably one of the best Red Sox seasons in our lifetime, basically. So, yeah. And there have been teams, and they've won four World Series championships, and this was their fourth World Series championship of the century. They won nine in franchise history, but yeah. All right, other news. Could Kurt Schilling be the next Red Sox uh, pitching coach? I wouldn't mind. Although, I mean, I do have a problem with, like, pitcher or uh, players who were great because a lot of those great players – we're not really great coaches and great uh, general managers and owners and stuff like that. I mean, that's why Michael Jordan. <laughs> that's what you could say that about Michael Jordan and the Hornets. At being an owner of the Hornets, he really basically well at the time they were the Bobcats. Usually, the guys who are like uh, who have played and been really great managers were really not great players either. Although, I mean, at the same and also too that uh, 
they kind of like um, last year kind of like had like a messy interest with Red Sox and Kurt Schilling. The new management is more kind of leading to the left and being PC and stuff like that. And Sam Kennedy kind of wants to etch away and like try to rewrite kind of like all the stuff with like the racial past of uh, the Boston Red Sox and stuff like that. And they thought that Kurt Schilling was, since he's a Trump guy and he could be in 2024 be on the Republican ticket for or for the presidency in 2024. So they might. I'm not sure. I mean, I really want to see Kurt Schilling back because really he is probably one of the greatest Red Sox. You would not have 0-4 if it wasn't for him, especially in game six, pitching on an ankle, a broken ankle, which he hurt earlier in the postseason and stuff like that. And he basically pitched like there was no tomorrow. He basically gave up nothing, no runs, literally not a lot of hits, not a lot of offense. And basically he – basically played like Willis Reed, Willis Reed in a game seven of the 1970 NBA finals. Willis Reed played for the New York Knicks and basically had kind of like a same injury. And he basically played basically with like one leg basically. And he put up an NBA finals performance and stuff like that. Against the Lakers, Will Chamberlain, Lakers. Yeah. All right. So anyway, all right. That's the end of that segment. But stick around. We'll come back and we're going to do another segment called uh, and, uh, Surprise Segment. So uh, don't go anywhere. See ya. All right. We're back, guys. And uh, I want to get into a segment called um, Last Sunday was the anniversary or the 13th anniversary of the release of my favorite movie of all time, The Departed. And... Uh, I'll just play you a clip from uh, YouTube. Hold on. Let me get didn't really prepare myself for this. All right. Hold on. We'll be right there. So anyway, yeah, The Departed is a, uh, has a, uh, let's see, while I'm into it, um, it stars uh, Leo DiCaprio, Matt Damon, um, Jack Nicholson, Mark Wahlberg, and uh, Martin Sheen. Those are the main characters. Oh, yeah, and Alec Baldwin, too. I forgot to put that in there, too. All right. With the savings rates offered at some banks, your money almost feels like it's frozen. With Capital One, you can open a new savings account in about five minutes and earn five times the national average. This is Banking Reimagined. What's in your wallet? When I was your age, they would say we could become cops or criminals. What I'm saying is this. When you're facing a loaded gun, what's the difference? This is not the regular police. This is the state police. We are an elite unit. This is who we're after. Frank Costello. You won't be paid as a regular cop, but there's a bonus involved. So what do I do? You will not ever know the identity of undercover people. Do you have anyone in with Costello presently? Maybe. Do you know who I am? Maybe not. When I have my associates search you. That was quick. He's dead already? Get your hands off me. I think we could work something out. 
they are all convinced the cost tunnel has at least one mole inside the special investigations unit. There are parts of my job I can't talk to you about. Man, you are trouble. You don't know the half of it. You better get organized, quick. Hey, last time I checked, I tipped you off and you're not in jail. Get the feeling we got a cop in my crew. Sooner lady's gonna find out who I am and he's gonna kill me. I can get the rat. You just gotta let me do it my way. If you don't, it won't be me who pays for it. Leaks from the inside. It's real, man. Smoke him out. You're lying to me. There are things you don't want to know about. What are you waiting for, honestly? I mean, do you want him to chop me up and feed me to the poor? Is that what you guys want? How's your brother? She's on her way out. You all are. Act according. All right, so that was a uh, trailer to Departed. The plot of the movie is um, Jack Nicholson is a mobster called Frank Costello, who was um. Basically, like, takes on Matt Damon under his wing, basically as a boy, basically. And it starts out with the movie, like, back in the 1980s, 1970s. Uh, Colin Sullivan, who is uh, Matt Damon's character, is a young boy. And, like, he meets Frank Costello and basically takes him under his wing and basically shows him. Fast forward to 2006 or present day. Um, Matt Damon or uh, Sullivan becomes a cop. Um, he uh, graduates joins the special investigation unit in the Boston PD and stuff like that. And, um, um, Frank Costello says like, probably are convinced them, Hey, do you want me to be my rat? Be kind of like the inside, like, uh, you'll tip me off and stuff like that. And like, okay, yeah. And, um, he does that. Um, so they're trying to find out why can we not catch? Cause they'll, cause the reason why they find out that, uh, or Jack Nicholson finds out like they know, he knows all this stuff is like, and keeps one step in the other because of Sullivan. Like he um, is basically his rat and like helps him keep one step in front of the other from the police. And um, so anyway, why can we not catch him? And then they finally decide like the probably uh, get this one police officer named Jimmy Co or uh, Billy Koskin, who uh, is played by Leonardo DiCaprio. And uh, so basically, yeah, they basically, say like we really don't know who this guy is but you know what we'll use him as an experiment and they say like we'll pay you we're gonna make up some fake bs saying that uh you uh dropped got kicked out of the base or uh the police academy then got charged with a crime arrested sent to jail and then when you get out of jail you uh start hanging out with uh people like uh start start staying out with the crime Lords and stuff like that, and like rough off some feathers to the point where like uh, Costello's people are seeing this too. And um, so, and like they say, like, hey, do you want to join us and be um, like uh, one of our part of our crew? And uh, that's what happened to Koskin. He joins their crew, but he's also undercover too. Like, he's relaying information back to the boss of PD and 
telling them all this stuff about like all the intel and building a case. But like they at the same time, like it also turns out that uh not only is he getting tipped off by uh Sullivan, he's also they also find out he's an FBI informant too. Costello is. That's why the police really can't really arrest him because he's protected by the FBI. And also has um Mark uh, Wahlberg in it. He's uh Sergeant Dingham and like he's he's a good cop, but he's kind of that asshole cop too, and like kind of a D-head, yeah, stuff like that. And Martin Sheen's a good cop too. He's the older cop, and like basically uh uh Matt Damon and Leonardo DiCaprio's characters uh boss basically. And Alec Bowen's kind of a sergeant uh uh so Captain Ellensby who's kind of like head in the department too. So yeah. So yeah, I mentioned the plot. Comparisons and differences. Um the comparisons is um they make uh Frank Costello. I don't know how you are um familiar with the uh, the Boston uh under underworld or underground or underworld and stuff like that. But uh they may, they portray him after the notorious Boston Irish mobster of the 1970s, 80s, and 90s uh, called Whitey Bulger. And uh, they make uh, Sullivan's character, the FBI agent, um, John Sol- or John uh, Conley, who uh, basically – and the deal they made is um, – the be- deal was if uh, they needed to take out the Italian mafia in uh, Boston at the time – so they thought, like, let's recruit – or call Colin Conley says, like, hey, let's recruit Whitey Bulger, have him be our protected FBI informant, um, and help us take down the mafia. What they didn't know was that by doing that, they just got him off every crime he there was. And he can commit any crime he wanted to because, you know what, the FBI is going to protect me. They're not – the police can't even do anything to me. And that's kind of does bite the FBI in Boston in the bud. And to the point, like, it also ends up, like, screwing uh, Conley, too, because they arrest him, too, when uh, they start searching for Bulger in the 90s, like, 1995 and stuff like that. They arrested him. But they didn't catch Bulger until, like, 2011. So probably, like, almost, like, half a decade later. They in uh hiding out in L.A. and stuff like that in California. And uh, he just died just uh, recently in jail. So I heard it was actually a retaliation, too. We're kind of getting dark. All right. Next thing uh, is number 34 on the list of swear words and curse words used in a movie. So, yeah, like 237 times. And they're mostly um, F-bombs and stuff like that. I mean, you can't have a movie. You can't have a movie about Boston without that. It did win Oscars um, in the 75th, 79th uh, Academy Awards. Best Picture, which surprised me. I mean, it's one of my favorite movies, but it's not that great. Uh, best Director, Best Film, Editing, and uh, Best Adapted Screenplay. The reason it won Best Film because that year's Academy Awards were just awful. They were, were not any good in, uh, movies, so like they fall like, you know what, this is probably the better of the bunch I'd say last king of Scotland didn't win that. All right, I'll take it. I'll take it. Reason why I like this movie and consider it my favorite movie is mainly because it happens in Boston. And oh yeah, the theme song to this uh, podcast, uh, I'm shipping off to Boston. 
that song was made famous because of this movie. Like they used that as kind of like part of the soundtrack to uh, the movie "I'm Ship Up to Boston," and that's kind of one of my favorite parts of the movie. Like they use it twice at the beginning of the, or like uh, where like they're uh, discussing with the Koskin, like, "Hey, this is what we're gonna do" and stuff like that, and then him going through jail and stuff like that, and then getting out. They played that "I'm Ship Up to Boston," and then while they're uh, Costello and uh, them are like going to like pick up a like kind of like a shipping of uh, drugs and stuff like that. They uh, drive by the Boston uh, or one of the the what? Yeah. They uh, drive or drive in. They play "I'm Ship Up to Boston." Like it does find and uh, Sullivan does find out that he is FBI informant. Spoiler alert! And ends up uh, sending like a hit or like kind of like a special ops unit to take him down at the end. Spoiler alert, sorry. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, favorite movie. Um, And I do have the movie poster with me. I'm going to put it up in my new house. I want you to guess where I'm going to put it. Nah, I'll let, I'll let you sweat it out. All right, so uh, thank you guys. Thank you for giving me this opportunity to share and keep doing what I love. Follow the, my Twitter pages, and I'll mention them in the details of the podcast. Follow the Instagram page at at lowercase royal rooters 1992 subscribe rate and review on apple itunes and if you could please rate us a five rate us a five because that really does help please give us a five all right so anyway yeah so so please do that please uh rate us a five and uh give us a review um follow the show on spotify too I think that about does it. That about does it. So, um, I kind of like that Departed part. Yeah. Departed was pretty good. It's a good movie. It's one of those bad movies, but I still like it. I mean, it's one of those bad movies you need to watch over and over again because it's, yeah. All right. So let's wrap it up. Let's go home.
It's over. 